So do we really need an Article 5 convention? This should be the only real question that should trouble Americans just now. Do we need a different way to propose amendments to the Constitution? Do we need amendments to our Constitution at all? This is Larry Lessig. This is the fourth episode of season two of Another Way. In the first, I described the Constitution's amendment process. In the second, I explained why Robert Reich believes that one of the two ways that our Constitution describes would be chaos. If Congress convened an Article V convention, Reich has argued, then convention delegates could hijack the process and change the ratification process itself. In the third episode, I explained a bit more of the history behind this fear and why the fear was just baseless. In this episode, I explain why, if you think we need amendments at all, Article 5 may be our only hope. There is no doubt that ours is an extraordinary constitution with an extraordinary history. Granted, much of that history is a modern embarrassment. For almost 80 years, the Constitution protected and supported slavery. For more than 130 years, it denied women the right to vote. But what is truly extraordinary in our tradition is not the mistakes, but the capacity for reform. It's not the errors, but it's the process through which we have repaired those errors as we have worked to work out the contradictions in the principles embedded within our tradition. Some of those principles are genuinely brilliant, and we should celebrate those principles still. In particular, the ideals of a representative democracy, where every citizen is represented equally. That ideal we should celebrate and support today. And the essence of the reforms that our Constitution needs, at least the reforms that I believe it needs, are reforms to make more perfect the Constitution's commitment to a representative democracy. Because the fundamental fact of our republic today is that we are not a representative democracy. The way we fund campaigns means that the rich have more power than the rest of us. The way we gerrymander districts means that the extremists have more power than the rest of us. The way we elect our president means that the unrepresentative few who live in battleground states have more power than the rest of us. The way we don't protect the right to vote means that the party in power in any state has more power than others in this state. We have allowed the politicians to defeat the simple idea of a representative democracy that citizens be represented equally. That corruption has destroyed our government. And unless we erect constitutional reforms to fix that, I fear we won't have a government that can address even the simplest problems that we as a nation must solve. Those constitutional reforms are just not coming from Congress. They could in theory, but I wouldn't bet on it. Or at least, given what's at stake, I don't think we can just sit around and wait for Congress. We need to push for the amendments we know our democracy needs in the most likely mode we have to get them. That mode is a convention. 
And contrary to the advice that Robert Reich has offered, all of us, whether on the right or left, but especially those of us on the left, should be pushing right now to get state legislatures to petition for a convention. But I think we should be pushing for a particular type of convention. If not an open convention, meaning one chartered to propose any amendments the delegates would agree to, at least a paired convention, meaning one chartered to consider both an issue important to the right and an issue important to the left. That pairing is critically important for an obvious political reason. If both sides don't have skin in the game, then the temptation to fundraise out of fear against a convention will be overwhelming. Indeed, we can see it already. I've received a steady stream of emails from the Democratic Party attacking the idea of an Article 5 convention and then asking me to chip in to help them fight it. I'm sure the same thing happens on the other side as well. In this time of ultra-partisanship, any chance either side gets to vilify the other side and then raise money from that, they're going to take it. But if both sides were at the convention, that dynamic would be different. If both sides saw that the convention was their chance to get the nation to consider the reforms that each side thought important, there'd be less chance that either would try to trash the convention itself. No doubt there will be lots to fight about if either side succeeds in getting a proposal through the convention, but the convention itself could occur, and then the chance to present proposals would not be lost to the incentives to fundraise off of fear. Okay, so what should these two topics be? As Robert Reich describes, the most advanced convention movement on the right right now supports the idea of a balanced budget amendment. I agree with Reich about the wisdom or lack of wisdom in the idea of a balanced budget requirement. But I also believe that the balanced budget movement has done an extraordinary job rallying state legislatures to support a convention to consider a balanced budget amendment. Yet as I've spoken to the proponents of the balanced budget amendments, I've come to see that many are not so much committed to the idea of a balanced budget amendment itself as committed to the idea of some way to find a better way to assure fiscal integrity within our federal government. And as much as I think the particular solution of a balanced budget amendment would be a very bad way to achieve fiscal integrity— I do believe that we should consider reforms that would improve the integrity of our federal government from the fiscal perspective. The convention movement on the left has focused on a different integrity, what we might call representational integrity. Whether the role of money in politics or gerrymandering on the right and equal opportunity to vote, these activists, and I count myself as one on this list, are pushing for reforms that would improve the representational integrity of our federal government. These two integrities should be considered together. If 34 states asked for it, Congress could convene a convention that would consider proposals to address both fiscal integrity and representational 
integrity. That call could be for sequential conventions. It could be for the two to be considered together. But regardless of how structured, it would commit the nation to considering proposals from both the left and the right and give all of us a chance to consider the ideas that might unite us. Now, I should say not everyone, even on my side of the representational integrity fight, agrees with this strategy. In particular, Wolfpack, which has been the leading grassroots organization pressing for a convention to clean up elections, supports a convention that could address just the questions of money and politics. And while I respect their work as much as the work of Robert Reich, though I'll note Wolfpack has never been labor secretary, I fear a convention focused on the corrupting influence of money alone would excite the kind of terror on the right that the balanced budget conventions have inspired on the left. Any convention perceived to be partisan, I fear, is a convention destined to fail because any partisan convention will just trigger rabid counterpartisan responses. Okay, so how could we get there to this idea of a paired convention? What strategy could we adopt? That's the subject of the fifth and final episode of this season. Stay tuned. <laughs> 